Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we open your word. We ask you to guide and lead us as we examine what you would have for us today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 20, verse 1. Jesus has been teaching in the synagogue ever since he made the triumphant entry. He met every day in the temple. And every day he irritated the priest and the Sanhedrin more and more. Until we get to the end of the week where they put him on the cross. So this is where we're at as we're reading this, Luke chapter 20, verse 1. And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priest and the scribes came upon him with the elders and spoken to him, saying, Tell us by what authority do you these things? Or who is he that gave you this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will ask you also one question and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then believe you not him? But if we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered that they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then began he to speak unto the people this parable. And I'm going to stop there. So we're going to stop at eight. Here is Jesus in the temple. And all of a sudden, the, he's been speaking every day. And as you've been listening week by week, and we've been talking about how he kept saying things, he's been declaring that he is the Christ, which is bad enough for them because basically he has said, I am God over and over and over again. And that enough is to make them angry because they want to crucify him for blasphemy, or kill him for blasphemy. However, the people love what he's saying. The people love him. And I've said over and over again, there is nothing new under the sun. When we read the Bible, we see exactly what's going on today. How many times do people say whatever's politically correct so they don't get others mad at them? Or don't say anything at all because they know that if they speak what they think, somebody is going to be mad at them. And it is something we all have to be careful of. Some of it is wise to sometimes keep our mouth shut. Sometimes we can't keep our mouth shut because of the truth needs to be spoken. And here, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests are sitting there listening to everything Jesus. And Jesus has a huge crowd around him. Let's set the stage because we've done this several times. But Jesus is in the temple. The temple had places in the, in the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, where people would gather and teachers would teach. So they would teach wherever and the people would gather around them. And in the Jewish uh, worship time and teaching time, it was an interesting thing. You know, we in, in our churches, you all sit and I stand. Back in their day, the teacher sat and everybody gathered around them standing for the whole time that the teacher talked. So maybe we should do that one day. I'll sit. You all stand. <laughs> no, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> it's warmer. <laughs> but this is what happened. Jesus would sit and a crowd would gather around him. And the scribes, Pharisees, and the priests were all listening to him. And they did not like what he was saying. Because he basically said that these guys are... Not very nice. They're, they're not living up to it. Here's what he says. He would speak the gospel message. What was the gospel? That God is the one that saves us. 
right? And even in our day, people have trouble with the gospel message. The gospel message is so simple. Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He became sin on the cross. He paid our debt so that all we have to do is accept his sacrifice and make him our Lord, and we are saved. Once we get saved, Satan does not like us being saved. He will give us all kinds of lies and saying, well, who do you think you are to believe that God loves you enough to save you? Who do you think you are that you can tell others about this good news? You think you're better than they are? And if it's not just Satan telling us, our friends, neighbors, uh, family will tell us how we don't, aren't good enough to be saved and we're a bad example of being a Christian and all the things that go along with that because Satan wants us to not believe the word of God this is why we need to study the word as much as we can because we need to know what God says when God says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son we are part of the world we are part of the world no matter how good or bad I think I am because I'm bad if I really understand my my sin nature Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? So when we start thinking somehow that we're good, we're being lied to in that aspect. And here's how Satan usually works. He'll get you thinking about how good you are and how much you deserve it. And God is so, so wonderfully blessed to have you on his side and on his team. And you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the church can't do anything without you. And, and you're doing so wonderful. And then when you get yourself puffed up and built up in his, in his vain glory that he's been giving you, then he'll come in and you do one thing wrong and he'll tear you to pieces. Because you forgot how you got saved in the first place. And then because you were thinking that you're the greatest thing and all of a sudden you do something wrong, then he attacks you for doing something wrong and you start going into miserable depression saying, I shouldn't go to church. I can't go to church. I've, been, I've disappointed God so bad. There's no way he can love me. I must not have really been saved. I must not have been, I must not be his and all these other things that go through our minds and you've all been there and all been through this at some point in your life because I have been, all right? And it's easy for us to think, you know, what am I doing wrong? Nobody is listening to me. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody, nobody's, uh, I'm not getting anybody. I invite all these people to come to church. Nobody's coming. I must be doing something wrong. Well, you may or may not be, but you know what? It's irrelevant. Serve God and let what happens go to him. When Jesus told the parable of the sower of the seeds, he said some of the seed landed on hard ground and didn't grow at all. The birds of the air snatched it before it even had a chance to take root. He had some that went into the rocky soil and it said it popped up and then it dried out because it had no roots. Some of it went amongst the, the, the thorns and, and got choked out. And it says some landed on good ground and grew and, and multiplied. Do you realize what Jesus is saying? That word was scattered everywhere, but only one of them actually produced a Christian. Two of, one of them didn't even care. And I've talked to many people who don't care. You, you, you're like throwing, throwing seed at them, the gospel message out, and it doesn't seem to be going in, uh, in their ear at all. Then you've got a few that, well, it sounds really good. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. You know, I remember back in the 60s, one of the big things about evangelism, try Jesus. You don't try Jesus. All right? You either fully commit to Jesus 
or you don't. All right. Jesus is your Lord and Master, or he is not. Romans 10, 8 and 9, uh, 9 and 10 tell us that if you confess that he is Lord, you shall be saved. All right. Not just say, God, I believe that you died for my sins. Not just say all these things, but say, God, I trust you and I make you Lord. What does it mean to be Lord? He gets to tell us what to do. Whether we like it or not, he gets to tell us what to do as Lord. And well, I won't ask anybody to raise hands, but how many times have you argued with the God about what he's telling you to do? When we do that, what are we really saying? Uh, God, I don't know. You and I are on equal terms, so we, you know, let's negotiate this idea of what you want me to do because you're not really Lord. Now, we all have trouble with that. I understand. I've had the same problem at times. God, are you really sure that this is what you want me to do? We need to be able to understand. He preached the gospel message. This is what makes Christianity different from every other religion that's out there. Every religion at their bottom line is do more good than bad and you might be accepted by the deity that you're trying to please. It doesn't matter which one you look at, it boils down to that. All right? In Christianity, it says you cannot do enough good to please God. You must come to him through Jesus Christ. This is what he's teaching. You must come to me through the, the Messiah. And the scribes and Pharisees didn't like that because what did they preach to the people? You are a bunch of terrible, awful people. If you don't offer enough sacrifices, give enough money, do enough good things, God's not going to accept you. They were preaching religion to the people. Jesus is giving them the gospel. Jesus went to people that they would not even think about going to see. Jesus went to tax collectors. And tax collectors back in that day were, were hated more than IRS agents are today. Okay, And IRS agents are, aren't very well liked in our day, but they're liked a lot compared to the tax collectors back then because back then they got as much money as they could squeeze out of you. They needed to collect 20%, they'd collect 30 or 40% just because they could. They were hated because of this. And Jesus went and talked to them. Jesus went and talked to the prostitutes, the people who were down and out, the ones that wouldn't even feel good coming to the temple because of how bad they were. Because if they showed up at the temple, the priest would have said, turn around and go back the other way. You are so bad, you do not deserve to be in the temple. And Jesus went to them, giving them the good news. And so the priest and the, and the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, they hated Jesus because of all this. So they came to him with a nice question and said, Who gave you the authority to teach? Translation, we didn't tell you you could teach in the temple. We did not run you through one of our schools to be a, be a rabbi. Whose authority are you teaching by? They think they had him very strongly because if he said God the Father because I'm equal to God, then they would you know, arrest him for blasphemy. If he said nobody, they would kick him out of the temple because he wasn't, didn't have anybody's authority to, to preach. They thought they had had him you know, picked up with a question that nobody can answer. How many times have we come across somebody asking us a question that think they've asked us a question that nobody can answer? 
I talked to a person just the other day at, at work and they're going, well, the Bible is full of contradictions. And I asked him my number one question because what is that supposed to do for most people? That is supposed to shut us up. Well, the Bible's got lots of contradictions, so don't even talk to me about the Bible. But I have learned very quickly, just as Jesus did in this, in this one, is ask them a simple question. When somebody tells you that the Bible is full of contradictions, ask them, name one. They won't have one. If they do, they'll name one of the four or five that are out there that are out there real well and have all easy answers. But we want to be able to just challenge them. So what was Jesus on his challenge? All right, you think you've got me. I'm sure he's thinking, you think you've got me. I'm going to ask you one question. John's baptism, was it from heaven or was it by men? Why did he ask that? Because John was famous with the people. He drew crowds and the scribes and Pharisees didn't like him either. Because he talked to the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the thieves, the robbers, all the bad people out there. And he gave the gospel message to them that you needed to be saved through God, not through your good works. And then he got them to be baptized. And we've talked about this before. Baptism in that day is the same thing. It, had, it was a sign that something had changed inside you to show to the world. Baptism was just an outside ceremonial cleansing. I've died to the way I used to think, and I'm being baptized to a new way of thinking. And they would be baptized in the name of somebody's teaching. This is why when you read the book of Acts, you'll see them always asking people, whose baptism are you baptized into? All right? Because they're going, who is your teacher? Who are, whose doctrine are you living by? And for us, we baptize in the name of Jesus or the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is all the same because it's in the name of God. But in that day, you would be baptized in the name of John, baptized in the, the name of Rabbi uh, Zacchaeus or whatever the name would be, whatever that, you know, rabbi's name. And, you, and you're going, well, I was baptized in this, in this person's teachings. So when they would change the rabbi they were learning from, they would go get baptized and be changed into a new way of being baptized and this is why baptism is important for us when we become a christian because it's our announcement to the world that i'm stopped living by my way of thinking or the world's way of thinking or whatever way of thinking and i agree to be living the way god asked me to live so this is why it's important and so jesus asked them what do you say about john and i love this they got together and because they knew that jesus had just done the same thing that they had done to him they thought they had him with a question that he could not answer. So he just turned it around and gave them a question that made things very difficult on them. And they properly ration, ration, uh, rationalized it. If we say that it was of God, he's going to ask us, well, why didn't you believe his word? If his word was really of God, shouldn't you have stopped everything you were doing Stop living in your works-based religion and turned yourself over to the gospel message. And then they go, if we say it is of man, we are surrounded with a whole bunch of people that believe that he was a prophet of God. And if we say that he's not a prophet of God, they're going to want to stone us. Now, I 
understand what they're saying. You know, the, there would have been a chaos there. I don't believe that all of those leaders would have been taken out and stoned by the small group of people that were around. You know, we're going to grab up all the priests, all the Sanhedrin, and we're going to go stone them. It's not rationalized. But it also shows how scared they were of the people. We need to be very careful of this idea ourselves. Are we afraid of people when God asks us to speak? It's easy to feel afraid. I might lose a job. I might lose respect. My family's not going to like me. I'm not going to be invited to any more family gatherings. I'm not going to be invited to any more, you know, gatherings of my friends because they're not going to like what I say. We need to learn that we need to please God more than men. Pleasing God is eternal. Pleasing men is temporal. And we at the very mo least, we lose the reward of speaking for God in, in the eternal. We're not going to lose our salvation by not speaking for him. But we will lose the rewards and possibly end up with somebody going to hell because we did not feel bold enough to speak. And that has the bigger problem to it. Losing rewards bad enough, but in heaven, you know what? When I get to heaven, I'm not going to care about what rewards I lost. It's not going to matter at all to me because I'll just accept whatever rewards I have. But what will matter? What if, what I, if I had spoke, somebody had turned to Christ and spent eternity in heaven? And because I didn't speak, they ended up in hell. That should scare us. That should scare us more than being afraid of people. Because God says he will take care of all our needs. And you know what? It is true. Now, we in America have an expanded, exploded idea of what needs are. You know, many people, if they have anything over their head overnight, are happy. If they get one meal a day, they're happy. And for us Americans, we have to have a really nice house, a car, a phone, cable television, three meals a day, anything less than that, and we feel like we are deprived. And we want to be careful about that because God is going to meet needs. And Jesus is telling them, what are you going to say? Give me an answer. Give me an answer. What did you think about John? And they know that if they say John was an, just a man doing this on his own, that the people at the very, they say they're going to take him out and stone him. And I don't think they would get that bad a response. But they were definitely had the people turning against them. And this is the problem with people that are lying about God in a works-based episode. They cannot get people angry at them because they cannot have afford that. When we're speaking the truth and people get angry at us for speaking the truth, the Holy Spirit keeps speaking to them. Even if they stop listening to us, our words echo in their minds. I don't remember, know if you remember back before you got saved, how many times did you hear somebody's gospel message echoing in your brain days after it, weeks after it, maybe even years after it? You kept hearing these crazy words from these crazy people saying that you needed to turn to Christ. There was only one way to God. And when you listen to testimonies, you hear this all the time. You do not know if the words that you are speaking to somebody are really being heard or not. It may seem like they're not hearing your words. But you know what? 
If you've ever planted a seed, how long does it take that seed to actually come popping up out of the ground? It may take days or weeks. And you're looking at it going, I wasted my time planting those seeds. Nothing's in that field. And then all of a sudden, there's green plants all over the place. You do not know if the seeds that you are planted have hit fertile ground without you knowing it. They may wake up in the middle of the night saying, I wonder if that stupid fool was telling me the truth and that I am really a sinner headed for hell. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's true. Now, what are you going to do about it? And your words get that person to come to Christ even though you aren't there to get them to, to make them believe it. I have heard this testimony more than once where somebody says and remembers what was told to them days, weeks, that same day, whatever it is, when they finally get their brain cleared enough to think. Have you ever talked to somebody who was high or drunk or just stupid and not listening apparently? And the next time you see them, wow, they're, they've gotten excited and they're going, yeah, I really started thinking about what you said. Do not start looking at things the way we think we see them. This is what happens to us over and over. We think we see things in a certain way. We think that God doesn't love us because we don't feel like we're loved. We think that we do not get, say anything that's valuable and all of a sudden you find out when you get to heaven how many people actually listened to what you said without responding to you when you said it. We need to just learn to trust God and stand for him because Jesus just said, what do you all think? And they finally decided, well, uh, Jesus, we just cannot give you an answer. What are they saying? We're just so cowardly, we won't tell you what we think. What did they actually think about John's testimony? We don't know because it doesn't say. We believe that they probably would have said it was from man. We did not give him authority to teach, and this is what they were getting ready to do to Jesus. We did not give you authority to teach. You know, we are the masters of this, this building and this temple, and we did not give you the authority to speak in this building. You never went to seminary with us. You never, you never got brainwashed into what we think, so don't try to tell other people what we don't want them to understand. And this is what was going on. Who? And they go, we can't tell you. And I love Jesus' answer. It goes, well, if you can't tell me who John was, I'm not telling you by what authority that I preach. Because his, he was going to give him the same answer John would have given him. My authority comes from God. Now, how do you argue with somebody who says their authority comes from God? It's almost impossible because if they really believe that their authority comes to God, you can't argue with them. What can we do? We can compare it to Scripture. If you have somebody telling you that they're speaking for God and under the authority of God, compare what they say to Scripture. If it matches Scripture then you can accept that they spoke for God. If it doesn't match Scripture, you can say, nope, you're not speaking for God. And this is something that is very important. I've been to certain churches where people would say, thus saith the Lord, and they're supposed to all end all arguments. didn't matter what they said. Once they said, thus saith the Lord, whatever they said was supposed to be gospel. And you listen to it and go, and what you're saying is not scriptural. And I called him. I was just smart enough or dumb enough or, you know, whatever you want to term, smart-alecky enough that I'd call him on it. 
I'm going, what you said is not scriptural. This was not from God. You are a false prophet. And boy, did they not like that. I didn't last very long in those churches. Because I did not get into this, you know, you can say anything you want by saying, thus saith the Lord. And Jesus was saying, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what authority I teach and by, by consequences going, but you know what authority I'm teaching by. You know the truth. Have you ever been in a place where you've heard a lie, been taught a lie, you know, hearing a lie on the radio, the television, whatever, and everything in you says, it's not the truth. They are not speaking the truth because we have learned to discern God's word through the spirit living in us. And I'm not going to even say most of the time when you hear the truth, you might not even like what you're hearing. You know, I've got plenty of times when I'm listening to these guys on the radio and saying, I don't like a word of what they're saying, but I know they're speaking the truth. Why? Because they're speaking to me that day, that week, whatever. You know, and you're going, I don't like what you guys are saying. It is convicting. I don't like it, but I know that it is true. We need to understand that sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to stomp all over our toes and try to get our attention and say, pay attention and get yourself right with me. And boy, does it get hard sometimes to be able to walk with God and listen to him when we're under conviction. Don't turn away from God when he puts you under conviction. Surrender to him and confess your sin when you're under conviction. But do not go under condemnation. In Romans, we're told there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Satan likes to condemn us. Where does con condemnation lead? It leads to rejection and pulling away. Conviction leads to confession of sin and getting right with God. And there's a fine line between the two. Satan will try to tell us that we are condemned. God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Just forget about the whole thing and live under condemnation. The Holy Spirit is saying, confess and get right with me. Be one with me. Get back with me. Our reaction to the conviction can be either being feeling condemned or being convicted. Sometimes we get ourselves condemned. I am just a worthless, terrible, awful sinner, just like Satan says I am. I'm without hope. I might as well just quit. I'm going to quit church. I'm going to quit reading my Bible. I'm going to quit talking to all those Christians because when I'm around them, the Holy Spirit's there, and I just feel so, so convicted and so condemned, I'm not going to be around them. Do not go that route. Remember that there is nothing that we do wrong that God will not forgive because he's already forgiven it. Jesus on the cross died for all the sins of the world. All of them. Including those who are going to reject him. And he says, I have paid the price of sin. What are you going to do with me? The simple question for Christianity is, what are you going to do with the Son of God? Are you going to make him your Lord and Master? Or are you going to say, no, I don't believe it. I'll try to do things on my own. When people stand before God at the great white judgment, they're going to stand in their own righteousness, which is not good enough to enter into heaven. All our righteousnesses are filthy rags. 
So all those standing in front of the white throne judgment will be cast into hell because they are not perfect. They're standing before God dressed in their own righteousness, which is filthy rags, and saying, let me into heaven because I've done all these good things. As they look down at their good things and realize that they are clothed in a bunch of rags. And what do you hear when you go to talk to people about, Je about Jesus and the gospel and going to heaven? Well, if I'm just good enough, I'll go, I hope I'll go to heaven. We can speak very boldly. If you're not in Christ Jesus, you are not good enough to go to heaven. The only way to go to heaven is what, what Jesus has done for you. And this is where we are. Jesus preached in the temple for those, that week the gospel message. Religion is not going to get you into heaven. It is only the Messiah who's going to die on the cross for your sins and believing in him. Over and over he's preaching this. And these leaders of religion do not like that because religion is all about control. I'm going to tell you what you have to do and as long as you do the things I tell you, you're going to be okay. I am glad we don't have religion here in Christianity. I have enough trouble controlling my own life. I would not even want to try to control everybody else's life. It'd be terrible. It'd be a headache. It'd be awful. <laughs> I'm glad that Jesus is the one that you turn to and he gets to take care of all of that. And he just says, you are my child. You are my child. I love you. When we become his, he does not get rid of us just because we do something wrong. Yes, he'll be a little disappointed because his children didn't follow him. But he's not going to turn to you, sorry, you're out of the family, I'm kicking you out because you aren't perfect. Why? Because he knows we're not perfect in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? He knows that we are not perfect in the first place. He chose us, he put righteousness on us, and he's not going to kick us out because we're not perfect. Because he knew he wasn't perfect in the first place. Yet sometimes we'll get into this idea thing and somehow I'm supposed to be perfect. Especially if we've walked with him for a while and going, man, I've got, I've got to get this done. I'm, I'm so good. You know, I've, I've improved so much in my life and now I've messed up. And God's going to kick me out because I'm not, I messed up. Don't ever get that place. He says we are clothed in his righteousness. We are in his eyes perfect. Do not fall back into religious ideas. He loved us before we were saved, and he's going to love us after we are saved. Do not let your feelings lie to you. Do not let Satan lie to you. Do not let other people lie to you. It is hard for me sometimes when I'm talking to people and they're telling me, well, I don't think God loves me anymore because look at all the bad things that are happening to me. Oh, woe is me. I'm condemned. I'm never gonna, not going to have anything. I don't know why Jesus, I don't know why I ever believed in Jesus in the first place. And you're going, well, did you truly believe in him? Did you truly make him Lord? And if so, why are you sitting there condemning yourself? We want to be careful. We cannot live in condemnation. If you are truly his child, and you will know that you're his child, do not live in the condemnation that, man, that Satan and your, and your thinking will do. Do not trust your emotions because emotions lie. You know, and all of us know they do. You know, well, I think that person just looked at me really, really hard. I don't think they like me. 
and they were having a stomach ailment at the time and they, and they didn't and they were just not feeling good when you just glanced at them and think that they didn't like you. That person just said something. You know, what gets me so many times when I talk to somebody, I, I'll go, well, they said this, but this is what they meant. And I'm going, what do you mean this is what they meant? I didn't hear that at all. Well, I know them. I know what they meant. You start getting into that world, you're in trouble because your emotions start lying to you. Be ready to just accept what's going on. Don't sit there and try to analyze this stuff. Don't try to figure out what's going on. Live the gospel message that's out there. Do not try to work, walk by works yourself. And don't judge other Christians by their works. And I know that's the hardest thing in the world because you look at somebody and they're not just living up to what you expect, but you know what? It doesn't matter. They stand or fall before Jesus and God, not us. My job is real simple. Your job is real simple. Love other Christians. Love the world. All right? Now, sometimes that might mean that we say, this is what God says. I'm concerned about what I'm seeing you go, but make sure it's out of love and that you've been praying for them before you go that way. But our job is not to judge one another. Our job is to say, this is what God says and live according to what God says. And most of that is going to be to love others. Because you know what? That love is going to win more people. When they see that they are loved no matter what they do, and we're not going to reject them because of what they do, they're going to wonder, first off, those guys are a bunch of strange weirdos. And we are, because we believe God. But it's also going to impress them. You know what? They're not judging me. They're not condemning me for what, for what I'm doing. They're not sitting there trying to get me to change and follow a bunch of rules. There are a lot of Christians out there that they want to get people to be good before they give them the gospel message. Believe me, if you haven't seen it, it happens all the time. Well, if you will just stop stealing, if you will just stop sleeping around, then I'll tell you about the gospel. When you're good enough to hear the gospel message, I'll give it to you. You know what? Who did Jesus have the biggest problem with was the good people. The people who thought they were righteous. He went to the people who knew they were sinners and started really speaking to them and teaching them. We need to be doing the same thing ourselves. Not waiting until they get good enough to hear the message, but saying, this is what God has for you. I want you to hear this message. So our challenge for us as Christians, love people. Love other Christians, love the world. Anybody listening online that doesn't know Jesus today is the day to get saved. Recognize that you're a sinner and confess that I am a sinner and Jesus died for my sins and accept him as your Lord and Savior. So we're going to end here and just with that challenge, what are you going to do today with the Lord? Are you going to really listen to him and make him Lord and make him understand and live in him and not your emotions? Or live by your emotions and be miserable? Lord, we ask you to be with us as we go about your business. We ask that you help us to live by your truth. Help us to understand your truth. Help us to be faithful in living by your truth, not in our emotions. Help us to get out and share with you with others. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. 
God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.